0: What is business coaching? On our website, we talk about building systems, adding value to your business, and creating a company that serves your life. But what does a coaching relationship actually look like for both coaches and clients? In this special edition of On It, a production by Emith, I'll be talking with our director of coaching, Adam Traub, and Emith coach, Amanda Sutt, both former clients turned coaches, about what business coaching really looks like from both sides of the relationship each month we tell the stories of owners and how they transformed their companies you'll learn about their struggles their successes and the changes they made to create the business they always wanted one that in the end serves the life they want to live i'm martin kamensky ceo of emith emith is the original business coaching company and over the last three decades we've worked with tens of thousands of business owners to help them systematize their business Improve their bottom lines and find more meaning in their work. Schedule a free one hour session with an Emith coach at emith.com. That's E M Y T H.com. We'll personally match you with a coach based on your industry, location, and what help you're looking for. You'll have a real coaching experience and learn the steps necessary to produce both immediate results and long term change. Learn more on our website, emith.com. So I have Adam and Amanda here with me. Welcome to both of you. Thank you for joining us.
1: Thanks for having us. Thank you, Martin.
0: For starters, Adam, I'm wondering if you can tell our listeners a little bit about the business that you brought to e as a client.
1: Sure. Uh, it was many years ago, a manufacturing company in Southern California. We made uh, rescue breathing apparatus for scuba divers and for the military. And uh, the position I held there was general manager. So I oversaw manufacturing, uh, purchasing, shipping and receiving. And then also I, w- I became the finance manager at some point along the way.
0: And what, can you tell us all a little bit about the issues that your business was facing that, that emith was primarily focused on, on working on?
1: Yeah, so when we came to Emeth, the business was pretty much all about the founder, and everything went through him. And he used to work 16 hours a day, was very typical, uh, six days a week, sometimes seven days a week, and it was all about him. And he felt like he had to do everything, and you know, the business was important to him, and maybe not to anybody else. So we had some big challenges with the company culture and actually turning his thinking around. Uh, But at that time, it was pretty much him and no one else in the company was involved. There was no real vision. Uh, Everyone was just doing their own thing. And it just seemed disjointed and disconnected. And things took a lot longer and people were frustrated. And now it's pretty difficult when we first started.
0: What what kind of pain were you going through in your position as as finance manager, let's say, or or even before that as general manager that tipped you off that something might not be working right here?
1: Well, we would have company meetings and it was kind of like a rah-rah kind of session where, you know, the owner would talk about things he wanted to do and then, you know, employees would laugh or uh, clap and cheer and be very excited. And then five minutes later, talking badly behind his back and actually talking badly about each other right in front of them and also behind their back. So it was it was kind of like putting on pretenses uh, versus really getting the message and buying into it.
0: Sure. And how long was it before you approached Emith to explore the possibility of becoming a coach?
1: Well, I was uh, so I was with that company for almost 10 years and it, uh, you know, I kind of guess I always had this fantasy of actually working for eMyth or, or becoming a coach. I didn't know what it would look like, but I was so impressed and enthralled in the uh, changes that were made and how our company culture shifted and uh, how things just got easier. It just got so much easier. And uh, so it was around that time I, I felt like I accomplished pretty much everything I could, and I was looking to see what was next. So then I started, then I contacted EMF. So it was about uh, it was about ten years. We we it took us a long time to go through the process, but we had a lot of issues. So uh, it just kept getting better and better. Even after I left the company, they the company still continued to work with EMF for a while.
0: And then you uh, you approached Emith about becoming a coach and and how long ago was that? How long have you been with with Emith at this point?
1: Uh, that was early two thousand two.
0: Okay. So you're working on thirteen years now. That's uh, that's a pretty impressive. Thirteen. Stretch. Yep.
1: And in April it'll be fourteen years.
0: Wow. And. Amanda, I'm I'm wondering if you could let us know a little about the company that you brought to Emith as a client.
2: Sure. So it, I come from a family business. I am second generation, and I worked with my parents. Um, so there was lots of lots of chaos kind of going on there, um, and this was, um, we're based in Atlanta, and we're a marketing firm, and we went through some really tough times in the recession, um, a lot to deal with how much the um, housing industry was affected, and that it was a big deal, part of our business, um, so after being in business for, at that point, about 20, 25 years or so, um, felt like we were starting over. Um, and I, I really distinctly one day remember sitting down in my mom's office and going, has it always been this hard? And she just turned to me and said, no. <laughs> um, and we, we really knew that we needed help. We felt like we were tripping over each other. We were, had really good product. We had some really good clients, uh, but just weren't making traction. We felt like we were working harder than anybody else in the business. Um, and so, I think I'd read the book and then went to the website and signed up, um, to get some of the worksheets to do some of the work myself, probably about five years before we came on as a client. Um, and kind of out of the blue, I think it must have been not even a week after I had that conversation with my mom, I actually got a call from somebody at EMIS. I think they were going through their um, list of uh, contacts from that. And they said, do you want to talk about coaching? And I don't think I've ever so quickly said yes, <laughs> uh, just unilaterally <laughs> made that decision for us. Because um, we were to that point, it's like, how much longer can we keep up this pace of of just not being able to, to, you know, take two steps ahead, three steps back kind of feeling. Um, and really, we knew, we, we knew we knew what we were doing and wanted to be able to take it to that next level, um, and just could not get out from under ourselves. Um, and so that's kind of (laughs) the chaos that we look like coming into the, into the, um, coaching experience. Uh, definitely, you know, a, a company of, of, duration. Um, uh, but we're concerned about being able to make it to that next level.
0: Sure. You, you know, when you talk about that experience of getting that call, um, what, it mm-hmm. w- tell me more about that place you were at when you said, yes, is it, was it just, you know, n- nothing could hurt or, or, you know, I've got nothing to lose at this point. I might as well. Or, or did you already have a sense that coaching might be something that's of value to you?
2: Um, I had no idea that coaching was even an option, but one of the phrases that we used a lot trying to get ourselves out of our hole was, um, you know, if you do the same thing again and again, that's the definition of insanity. Um, So we were looking for different ways to do things um, and how could we get the perspective we needed. Um, And part of, in the back of my head, knew the whole idea behind e and what it what it would do for a business. And I looked at everything that I'd started and in like five years, I'd started everything and not finished anything. Um, and so when we sat down and looked at it, we went, well, we could spend another five years and maybe finally finish it, or we could commit to coaching and get it done.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what, it, I mean, I, I want to talk to you about this some more later on in the conversation, but if you had to sum it up, what do you think is the difference between those worksheets and doing the work on your own versus working with a coach? What, what makes the difference there?
2: Uh, it's a huge difference because they're being, being a leader in your business, you're trying to hold everybody else accountable. And so you end up being that catch all so much of the time and there's nobody holding you accountable. And that's what that coach did is the stuff that we were doing with EmIth and that working on the business was the most important stuff to do. But because of everything else, it was so easy to keep putting it to the side, putting it to the side, putting it to the side. Whereas that coach, you know, held us to it.
0: Mm-hmm. And then how long was it since you went into coaching with, with your business, how long was it until you decided that you might have some interest in joining the network.
2: Uh, I had not even quite finished our first year of coaching. Um, and, uh, and basically the email hit my inbox and actually my mom forwarded it to me. She's like, you might really like this. Um, (laughs) because i've i've always joked that i would have gone into education because i love teaching and helping people find their own um, power uh but i don't like parents so i <laughs> never wanted to do that whereas coaching allowed me to be able to actually fulfill that without that 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 impediment
0: <laughs> mhm mhm that's a funny one i won't we won't we'll make sure not to share the the audio clip with your mother and father Um, and, and so you, you joined, you joined up the network and had you had any experience prior to that, uh, coaching or consulting or advising businesses?
2: Um, from a marketing perspective, yes. Um, but just within a company's marketing world, but not necessarily on, um, the business finance side of it. Mm
0: hmm. Mm hmm wonderful. So for some people listening they who aren't as familiar with EmIth, they may not know that, that EmIth does business coaching and what that means relative to life coaching and other kinds of coaching that are out there. Uh, and, and I believe anyway that EmIth does have an impact on its business owners, uh, not only in terms of changes that are made in their company, but also real changes that impact those owners' lives. And I wonder if you could maybe explain a little bit uh, about how we accomplish that. What does it mean to touch someone's life, but through their business? And, and how do we focus on that as opposed to um, maybe other kinds of coaching companies?
2: I think and it's, it's a part of the process that we always like to start with is that you go into business for yourself because you're passionate about something and that's a part of who you are Um, and not necessarily, it it starts with you and not necessarily the business and that's the biggest part and I think it for me is the most rewarding part when I can help somebody reconnect with that initial passion and desire um, to be able to do what they love doing um, and to make a living at it Uh, but you can get burned out really easily and so I find that's that in of itself, and we talk about it a lot, is that your business needs to serve the life you want to live. Um, and I love being able to, you know, whenever we can get to that, whether it's the beginning of the process or a couple months in, you know, having that real conversation with somebody and I feel like it always surprises them. But when I ask them, it's like, what What do you want your whole life to look like? Not just, not just your, you know, nine to five part, but, you know, what else does this business need to be doing for you? Um, because it, it's, a, it's a tool that generates a lot of money for you, hopefully, um, and that it not only gives you the rest of your li- the, the life outside of work, um, but the, for you to actually enjoy the hours that you are work. So getting to be able to focus on that um, and having real conversations of not, not putting two separate boxes around you know, your home life and your work life, but looking at them together.
1: Yeah, that, that's awesome. Even if you enjoy working, a lot of people do, and they, they like working 60, 70, 80 hours a week, that's fine. We have no problem with that if it's giving you more life, if it's contributing to um, what really serves you. And so um, so Amanda's right. You know, First and foremost, we have to look at what's always driven you in your life, and we have various as we go through but if you don't you know if you don't know what truly drives you, then the business will drive you nuts and everyone around you will drive you nuts because you're, you begin to live you know randomly like things are just happening to you. So where we start out in the coaching through uh, through these processes is you begin to live your life more intentionally. That's every part of your life and that includes your business. So with that intention comes power. And I know for me, and and many coaches do this, that's ever present in my mind. I'm having that conversation with my clients continuously, whether we're actually talking about that or not. Uh, We could be talking about budgets. We'll find a way to bring that up. You created a budget. Great. How's that impacting your life? It seems like a strange question almost, but it really isn't because it's all related. And our job is to hold it, the big picture, how everything is connected, and it comes back to that central point. I mean, really, if you were to say the biggest, uh, the the biggest seg- secret of EMF is that they've actually been working on their life the entire time. It's just easier to do it through your business, but many clients have expressed that their life has actually gotten better in this business course, if you will.
0: That aligns so well with how I not only see what we do with our clients, but also with my experience as a business owner myself. And I can remember, as maybe some of the people listening can, being on what felt like that hamster wheel where I had to I had to make a certain amount of money next month. I knew I had to make it. And why did I have to make it? I had to make it because I had all of these expenses that I had to, to pay in the next month. And why did I have to pay those? Because I needed to pay those people to make the money for the next month to do it. And there, there was this never-ending cycle, this hamster wheel without a purpose that that I was on. And I, I honestly didn't, I didn't know at the time. I, I couldn't really feel it that well at the time that that's what was happening. But now, in retrospect, having having moved down from that company. Uh, I can see that. And I can see, especially now learning more about the Emith perspective and seeing it played out in the lives of our our coaches and, and our clients as well. I can see how by going into somebody's business and helping them see how it how it can be designed and, and almost engineered in a way that serves their life goals, you you are improving people's lives, but it's always it's always through the channel and, and, and through the lens of the business, as opposed to just directly and specifically talking about their life goals, um, it it's a part of it, but it's it's always connected and always comes back to what they want their business to do to achieve those results.
1: Yeah, very very well said. And and when they one of the first things we do with clients is. Uh, we, we look at what's the core for their life, and then we start to look at the vision for their business. And specifically, how does that vision give them more life? And then th- those are really the two central points. And everything else in coaching is, you know, we talk about the vision, but it's related right back to, to giving them a better experience of their life. So, for example, we talk about time management. And the conversation really is, okay, you're doing this thing is that getting you closer to fulfilling your vision or taking you farther away? And if it's getting you closer, it's probably also getting you closer to having this kind of life that you want. And so they begin to think about this as a routine. And that's where the, the shift starts to come in. A lot of times it's really small and minute.
2: The biggest changes in business happen from small decisions. Yeah, yeah,
0: There, there are some common themes that that I picked up on in hearing both of your stories, and uh, one of them is is this feeling like no matter how hard we work or or what we try, we're not seeing results. And I'm wondering if either as a as a client, you know, in your experience being a client of Emith's or now maybe having the context of being a coach as well if you have a sense of what's, what was missing there, when you're sitting, when when you, the business owner, as some of our, our clients might be, if you're sitting there and thinking I'm hustling my butt off and I'm not seeing the results, uh, what might, what wires might not be connecting there for, for that owner?
1: What comes up for me is, um, just looking at my own experience as a client Uh, and obviously I've seen it as a coach too, is, you know, we solve a problem and uh, we're happy about it, but then it comes right back and sometimes even worse. And so I think what happens is we fail to get at the root cause. Like what is actually really causing this to be this way? And so I see it with my own clients and, and when I was a client Uh, we just keep throwing things at it to make it better and make it better and make it better. But we don't take the time to really go deep enough to get at the source. And that was one of the biggest values that I've seen in, in EMA that, you know, beginning to change uh, your thinking to be more strategic and really getting a sense of what that actually means and seeing the results. We had a, we had a problem. I remember it's, 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 kind of embarrassing, actually, we had a problem with a machine for six years. It kept coming back. It kept coming back. We kept fixing it. It kept coming back to the point where we were ready to fire people on the machine or near it. <laughs> and I, we used one of the processes, the transforming frustrations process that, that we have. And I had one of the biggest epiphanies of my life because I thought, okay, if I fire this employee, I'm probably going to have to have someone else run this machine. It's, it's uh, critical to the operation. And the thought came to me, if I have somebody else do it, are they going to have the same problem? And I realized that they would. And all our energy was focused on this employee, that he was the problem. All of us. I mean, there was a whole group of us for years as soon as we began to not look at him, but look at the uh, problem as a whole, uh, it took about 30 hours. We handled it and never came back for years, Mm -hmm. never came back. That's the kind of thing uh, that I see a lot. Mm -hmm.
0: Adam, some of the people listening might be familiar with that transforming frustrations process, but can you just give an overview for anybody that's not familiar about how, what does that look like? How, what are the steps involved in starting with your problem and, and coming to a conclusion like you did?
1: Sure. So it's an it's a eight-step process. And, and what you do in the beginning is you're identifying a single frustration. Sometimes uh, you know, when we get frustrated, we'll write down a whole list. Um, I did the first time. What's what's bothering me? Let me tell you. And I wrote several pages. But what we try to do is focus on one at a time. They're probably actually related, but the mind can't handle all that. So we got to look at one thing. And you write down what's bothering you. Now, what's interesting is what you write down initially may not be actually what's bothering you. So you have to keep going deeper. So we end up asking that question a few times. And then then we start to really get a sense of what is really truly bothering us. Then we're looking at contributions, like uh, how how did I contribute to this? How did others contribute to this? Is this really truly a systems problem? And it's important to go through those steps to really see um, how you're relating to it. And And that's really what this process is about. So once you start to get underneath it, then we begin to quantify and measure. And this is the most interesting part, because it's it's one of the things that that we learn through EMF. That's part of our uh, point of view is quantification. You know, when you're measuring and looking at numbers and looking how things perform, you get a lot of insight, and you can make them better. So you begin to take this frustration, and you start to quantify the impact of it. How many times does it happen? What does it cost you? How much time is lost? It, you know? Does it occur every day? Does it occur once a week? What day of the week? I mean, you can go as deep as you want. You don't typically need to go that deep, but through the quantification, you start to get insights, and through those insights, you start to see what the solution could be, and then the rest of the process is about putting the you know putting the pieces together. So, in a nutshell, that that's that's the process, and uh, I think it's not about necessarily coming up with a solution, although that's part of it. But the idea is that you use this process over and over and over again until it starts using you because it's literally teaching you how to think strategically. And that's we have found. And Amanda, I'm I'm sure you would agree with this. The missing piece in many cases that that strategic thinking is what allows clients to get the results they came to us for. So that employee that would have been fired, you know, the company would have told the story for years that it was all about him. But what we failed to do is really look at ourselves and what is our contribution in hiring, in training. Are we actually creating a company culture where people cannot thrive? And that, when we came to EMIF, I think that's exactly what was going on. And what was interesting with this, uh, with this whole machine is something definitely shifted with that employee. He was there for several years, and it's just a brutal job. And um, he came up to me shortly after that and asked if he could switch jobs. And I uh, I thought he was joking. And then I really began to see how serious he was about that and that he wanted to expand his horizons. He's been doing the same job for years and years and years. So he wanted to do assembly. And it's very critical because the product we made was a life-saving device. And if you build it wrong, it could have very bad effects. We had you know pretty good quality control, and we never had any issues, but we didn't want to introduce something uh, that wasn't needed in into the uh, into the equation so I thought, all right we'll supervise him, but we'll train him and uh, that was amazing because this ended up being just a huge lesson for me. He ended up being probably the best assembler I've ever seen and that gave him so much confidence he started to get clear about what he really wanted to do with his life and with our blessing he actually left the company and moved half uh, moved the com- uh, left the company and moved halfway across the country to pursue a job in the medical field and he attributed that to us and how we were being and how we gave him space to grow because he, he always wanted to do that and never felt like he could And it's just amazing that we have that kind of effect. You can have a pretty powerful effect either way, good or bad. And so you start to really, you know, make some choices, right, and see what's really going to have the impact that you want to have.
2: Definitely. I think one of the things that I see the most with that is you see clients, and I even saw this with myself, is when you keep fixing that same problem, it's like when you go, people go, like, get lost in the woods and they go, Hey, I think I saw that tree before. And they keep circling and circling. They have no direction. They don't have the map. They don't have the compass and the transforming frustrations helps you understand those tools that are missing in order for you to get beyond that challenge.
0: Mm -hmm. So you, Amanda, you would say that it's a, Uh, Were there similar kind of things going on that that were causing your frustration, that were causing you all to circle the same trees in the woods and, and, and overworking without getting the results you're looking for?
2: Oh, definitely. Um, We used to be the epitome of a family business, um, and most of those frustrations were because we were kept making the same mistakes over and over again of getting angry at each other and yelling at each other. Well, maybe not full-on yelling, but um, there was a lot of tension because we couldn't figure out how to solve the problem. Um, Like, we'd run into it with billing every month. It would just be such a stressful experience, and none of us looked forward to it. Um, And by doing things like the Transforming frustrations, exercise, and I've done it a couple times on these processes. Um, I don't worry about it anymore. It's pretty easy. It's not a big deal. I don't stress about it. Um, And we don't have like three days of just, you know, everybody's not looking forward to coming to work. Nobody actually knows when billing happens anymore.
1: And it almost seems obvious, like, well, that's what you would do. Yeah. But um, but when you're in it, you, it's hard to see the forest from the trees. And so you see a tree and, and you think that's it. But when you start to get that helicopter view and you go up a little bit, it, it, it does provide a totally different way of looking at it. Agreed. And that objectivity. And I think that's really what uh, not only that process does, but a lot of our processes help provide that objectivity so you can begin to relate to your business in a totally different way and it makes it easier to uh you know get the results that you truly want.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm I'm wondering Amanda if you mm-hmm. maybe maybe this isn't a fair question to ask but I'll ask it anyway. I'm okay. wondering if uh if you enjoyed more working through Emith as a client or working with Emith as a coach.
2: The f- first time going through it with a coach, it is, it is life-changing. I mean, that's the reality of it, but that's also why, why you go into it, to be able to have somebody hold up that mirror and, and really be able to show you where you're getting in the way of your own success. And then on the flip side of it, I did mine back-to-back. You know, it was within, within a year of coaching, I was starting to train to be a coach. So I almost got to go through it all twice, back-to-back. And it, so it was a really different interesting way to kind of go back through the materials and and see it from the other side that I almost transformed myself two times in a row just being able to see it from the other side so they were so different and so similar but both you know incredible experiences
0: could you could you identify maybe what is most meaningful to you about about being a coach about having that role for other people
2: yeah the the biggest part for me was wanting to pay it forward when all of a sudden I got my life back and not even that but being on top is lonely <laughs> and that's I didn't realize how lonely I was as a leader and I had my family around me and as we went through the process and realized the things that we should be talking about and how we should be distinguishing our roles so that we're not stepping on toes and had one of us actually leading <laughs> Leading the troops, as opposed to three of us trying to do it, it was such a um, life-changing experience to finally be able to understand that my team wasn't below me, but they were next to me. was huge, and that part is the reason that I went into coaching. I was even talking to a, um, somebody this morning about this, and you could just hear how um, how alone they feel that they don't they've they've never had a chance to talk. This way to anybody else. Uh, I couldn't get her to stop talking because you just the floodgates opened up. I just asked like two little questions and you could tell that it was so pent up and you need to be able to work through these things. And that's that's where I feel like the coaching opened me up. And it was something that I see other business leaders in that same idea of putting on a good face uh, and leading the troops, but really hurting underneath or really being by themselves and how to help them be re-inspired to do the job that they wanted to do from the beginning.
0: Thank you for that, uh, Amanda. That's, I I can tell how meaningful it's been. Um, Adam, is there, are there similar things in mind for you? Is there anything else you would add to that?
1: Yeah, it's really interesting listening to Amanda because you know it puts me back in my in my own experience. Uh, they they're similar in a way, but very different. Um, I loved being able to make something work intentionally because we set out to do that, and we did do that when I was a client, and it was because of Emeth, and I wanted to continue that, and I thought. I've always wanted to make a difference with people. This seems like a natural fit. I don't know a ton about business, except that business that that I, you know, helped run. Uh, but there was something there was something about it that I knew I could probably be successful. And I thought, okay, it doesn't hurt to have been a client for all these years and gone through all this material until the uh, about the second hour of training on my first day. I realized that all that knowledge I had about the processes probably wasn't going to help me much in coaching somebody through it. I could tell them what to do, but I really began to see what coaching was about and allowing clients to uh, make the shift themselves and, and creating a space to do that. So I began to learn a whole new uh, set of skills in, in, in doing that. And it's phenomenal, I would say, to be able to touch somebody in that way, similar to the experience I had, because it was very, it was an incredibly powerful experience as a client, and I always bring that with me when I talk to, to my clients, and uh, to be able to, you know, directly have an impact and have them experience a better life and have their business, you know, work better, and knowing that I'm a, played maybe just a little role in that. That's awesome. I wouldn't trade that for anything.
0: If you're inspired at all by what you've heard today, maybe you'd like to become a coach. The first step is joining us this February in San Diego at Immersion. It's a three and a half day workshop where you'll learn all about the coaching opportunity, our training program, and get to meet our team, including Adam, Amanda, and I. This will be the only Immersion in 2016. So it's a great chance for us to get to know you and for you to get to know us. All the info you need is at emyth.com immersion. Thanks for listening to On It by Emith. We'd love to hear what you think about the podcast. Leave us your comments on our blog at blog.emith.com, or email any feedback to info at emyth.com. And if you like the show, please leave us a review on iTunes or a like on SoundCloud. We really appreciate it. You can also schedule a free one hour session with an Emith coach and have your own coaching experience at emith.com. You can learn more about our clients and coaches by visiting our website.